Hey everyone, I'm Johnny. I'm Victoria. Welcome to Tasty Pages, a podcast from Cooking the Books. Each week, we'll discuss a featured cookbook. And we'll rank each book in a variety of categories, including food photography and styling, degree of difficulty, and of course, taste. This week's featured cookbook is... Japanese Food Made Easy by Aya Nishimura. Hey, Johnny. Hey, Victoria. (laughs) How are you? I am well. You're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. I don't know why. It's Monday. (laughs) I know. Do you got a case of the Mondays? (laughs) I do not. We're doing this a little bit later just because, you know, life. Yes. So, welcome to Tasty Pages, episode 35. We've been doing this almost a year it's coming up on a year. It doesn't seem that long. Nope. Time but, flies when you're having fun. But we've had so many starts and stops. I yeah. can't, uh, you guys don't know how many like episodes we would record. We would record like one episode and couldn't get it to work. I know. The genesis of this project kind of started like a couple years ago. Yeah. And then it, it was like fits <laughs> and starts. And there was like equipment issues mm-hmm. and software issues. And, uh, you know, but now we've got a whole professional operation dialed in here. Uh, That's what you're calling it? (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, We'll get a few housekeeping things out of the way. Um, If you go to our website, wecookbooks.com, click on the store tab. It will take you to our Amazon.com affiliate page. And we've got a couple of lists on there, Kitchen Essentials for Home Cooks, as well as uh, our favorite cookbooks that we've featured over on the Cook in the Books Instagram. Uh, If you make a purchase from either of those links, um, we'll get a few pennies. It won't cost you a dime more, and uh, it's one way you can support us. And you know what else I just did? What? I started a Patreon page. I think we're like the last people on earth to to attempt this money grab. But uh, if you go to patreon.com slash wecookbooks, um, you'll see we've, we just got this up and running. So bear with us while we add more fun-filled incentives for you to, to show your support. But... Um, If you just want to give us a little tip, like an online tip jar, there's a level for that. If you want to go to the next level, um, we'll be doing like a monthly email blast that will have some exclusive content that you won't find elsewhere. So it'll have like some recipes, maybe some interview questions with whoever we can bribe, convince beg to people are gonna be, we don't want to talk to them yeah um but you know check it out it's it's going to be a work in progress for a little while but um we're just trying to create lots of avenues where you can show your support for what we're doing um you know send us cash in the mail too in an envelope <laughs> i have no object- objections to that <laughs> can you imagine going out to the mail and then there's like all this cash this envelope full of cash yep I'd be like, did we like accidentally witness a murder and we're being paid to keep quiet? Stranger things have happened. <laughs> All right. Uh, before we dive into this week's featured book, let's talk about what we're currently working on. Go ahead. All right. Um, so currently we are working on uh, Shook by Inat Admani and Jana Gurr, uh, From Market to Table, The Heart of Israeli Home Cooking. How's that sound? It's great. Well, we've we've done a few dishes yes, out of it, and so far they have been great. And a side note, because uh, we have been cooking from that book already, but we did a little field trip here in Chicago to uh, a recent discovery of ours, Windy City Mushroom, and um, it's tucked away in a little nondescript building in Humboldt Park, 
and they actually grow uh, several varieties of mushrooms in house there. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a warehouse, and uh, each of the varieties are um, kept in a different room, mm-hmm. temperature controlled room. Uh, they're grown out of these bags, and um, in order to like pollinate them, they are they are put into uh, a cement mixer. They have like little cement mixers yeah. there, and they were kind enough to let us come and peep it out and yeah, we gave got, us a little tour got some mushrooms um and these mushrooms were beautiful we got blue oysters mm-hmm. and then we got uh pia penny i think mm-hmm. is how you pronounce it um and uh, i think there's some pictures up on social media but uh we we did some dishes from shook with them and uh so glad to have found them i think they mostly supply restaurants mm-hmm. in the area but they do have a little retail operation so Definitely recommend it if you're in uh, Chicago. We're not affiliated in any way or not paid, uh, just enthusiastic fans. Yes. Um, So that was a fun little outing. Um, Most importantly, what's for dinner tonight? Well, coincidentally, uh, reading about all these burger toppings has made us incredibly hungry for burgers. So that's what we're doing. It's been a hot minute since we've had one. Yeah. And I I can't wait to grub. And that leads us into today's show topic, uh, favorite burger toppings. So we put this out to everyone on social media. We got a ton of responses. A ton. So, I mean, we get what we can. Yeah, we clearly don't want to just read a whole big page long list. This could have been a whole episode in and of itself. Who would have thought people were going to be so passionate about their burgers? I get it. Yeah. Uh, You want to start? Yeah, well, first of all, there are a few people who pointed out that if your burger is well-seasoned, you really don't need any any toppings, but if you do, then they will just go with the standard LTO, lettuce, tomato, and onion, um, which is, you know. You had to explain that to me. (laughs) LTO. (laughs) What is this? I'm not familiar. Uh, yeah, so you want to just dive into some of the responses? Sure. All right. <clears throat> Go for it. All right. Kelly C. says, cheese, maybe pickles, that's it, or the burger is ruined. Ruined. That's some strong language. <laughs> Very passionate about her simplistic burger. Uh Joe B, I think he was just messing with me because I, we talked about pineapple on pizza previously and he said pineapple. So I hope he's not putting pineapple on a burger. Joe, be a, stop fucking with us. Yep, that'd be a damn shame. <laughs> Chris M says feta. <laughs> damn autocorrect. It's supposed to be bread and butter pickles. It changed it to Brad and butter. Hey, Brad. Brad. <laughs> Unless it's a pickle variety I'm not familiar with. Uh, bread and butter pickles, which you're a big fan of, right? No. <laughs> I hate like the sweet pickle. It just doesn't do it for me. I, I get you. And then uh, barbecue sauce. And surprisingly to me, there were a lot of people that wanted barbecue sauce on their burger, which I just never consider putting on a burger. And a lot of people who were vehemently opposed to uh, ketchup. Like yes. no ketchup. Well, this is Chicago after all. And uh, if you're going with a classic Chicago hot dog, there is also no ketchup on that. So I, I get it. Uh, Joseph P. said grilled onions and almost anything but ketchup. <laughs> so there you go. Um, Bill S. said the venerable Swiss and mushrooms with a little bit of steak sauce. That sounds really good to me. Yeah. Mm, classic mm, combo. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, we got some. We got a lot of votes for avocado, which um, I actually prefer too. We'll, we'll get to our choices in a second, but. <laughs> Um, Missy B just said jalapeno. Hmm. Little, could, little you, bit of heat. You know what I would That's do it? is dice it up and mix it in with the burger mixture. No, don't do that. You don't think? No. Because I don't think I'd like want to just put slices of jalapeno on my burger. Well, you're a wuss then. <laughs> <laughs> we, had, we had this conversation before. <laughs> the, the spice level of jalapenos is on the decline. I think I could just eat those things raw by myself. But I, I would dice them up. That's just my personal preference. Okay. Mix them in with the burger. All right. All right. Um, Joanna J said, I'm a purist. We got the good old LTO and uh, either burger sauce or mayo, ketchup, and a tiny bit of mustard. Okay. Uh, David A, our friend, said uh, just a smidge of soy sauce, a few drops. Um, I could I could see that. Mm-hmm. Put a little bit of funk in there. I, th- I think for our burgers tonight, we're going to try just a few drops of fish sauce. Just a this, couple. For the same reason. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Uh, sauteed mushroom and onion, pickles, lettuce, tomato, <laughs> bacon, mild gouda, finished off with a barbecue sriracha mix. So he's got to go in like kitchen sink. On that's, this a, that's a knife and forker. That is a knife and forker. <laughs> and probably a bibber. Is that a word? Eating tarp. Yep. <laughs> Bring out the eating tarp. Uh, let's see. What else here? Um Mimi M said mushrooms and cheddar cheese. Yep. See, I'm wondering if these, I, I really hope that these people who are choosing to have mushrooms on their burgers, that they're cooked. And also not canned. Yes. Oh. Did, so, growing up, we, both of us were um, subjected to canned mushrooms. Like the little, the, the mushroom little, little slimy, like bleh. <laughs> no, That's not what we're talking about in this case. Uh, let's see. Perpetually hungry said onions raw or caramelized. Always got to have the onions. Yep. And I kind of agree. Um, our friend Shelly C said American cheese, the good kind. Do they make a good American cheese? I don't know. Well, she she's a she's a cheesemonger, she so would know. she knows. Yes. Uh, a good sour pickle, little mayo, never ketchup, <laughs> sometimes brown mustard, and lots of salt and pepper. And that brings us to what we were alluding to earlier is like proper seasoning is essential. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to talk about our kitchen hack? I mean, I think most people probably know this, but it's a good it's a good practice. Yeah. Um, take the guesswork out of your burgers to see if it's seasoned. Just uh, tear off a little little piece, fry it up, taste it, adjust it. You know, yeah. I mean, literally, literally a bite-sized piece. Just mm-hmm. like roll it up into a, the, like the world's tiniest patty, as if you were making <laughs> one for like a garden gnome or something. <laughs> and then just cook it up really quickly, let it cool, taste it, and then you can adjust your seasoning if necessary. But better to do that than to have an under-seasoned burger. Mm-hmm. So there you go. From from us to you, with our love. Gift. Yep. <laughs> uh, another vote for caramelized onions. Now here's one. Our friend Gimme Meatloaf, Annie, said onion rings, bacon, and barbecue sauce. That sounds lovely. It does. Well, when when I used to work at Kuma's, we did um, crispy shallots on top of some of them. Didn't you do something with like onion straws or something? Or no. Or am I thinking of something It was else? crispy shallots. Okay. <laughs> Same concept, though. I get it. Uh, Mike B. Mikey B. I think I, he's just pulling your your leg on I, this one. You know what? I actually don't think he is. No? <laughs> no. Uh, he said a fried egg and chunky peanut butter. Ooh. You're on your own on that one, Mike. Why I don't, don't think we can be friends. 
why don't we throw <laughs> some bacon on there and isn't there like an Elvis version that's got like bacon and oh god, I bacon hope and peanut butter and banana? Ooh, Maybe not banana. Well, that's like the Elvis thing. Yeah, that's true. Ooh. I don't know. I don't know. I you know here's the thing with fried egg. I like it in concept, but it makes for a very messy. So burger. messy. And we've done fried egg many a time mm-hmm. on burgers, and and I enjoy it, but. Then, you know, like we said, you're getting into eating tarp territory there because <laughs> like, roll up your sleeves. Uh, let's see. Maxwell Gregory, 2018. Another vote for caramelized onions and blue cheese. Blue cheese. Uh, there you well, go. when we used to go to there is this place that we love to go to. We haven't been there in Yonks. They have an amazing beer beer list. Um it's it's like a beer and burger place, yeah. uh, Elevator Burgers. And there was a burger that I would always get called the Black and Blue, which had, uh, um, I believe it was uh, roasted poblanos and blue cheese. There you go. So, yes. Um, at the sauce said, ooh, gherkins and jalapenos. I love that. I love that they said gherkins. That's so cute. It's a very British. That's, a, that's an elevated pickle. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, another vote for grilled onions. Uh, I think that kind of covers it. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of commonality in the responses, except for that stupid wild card peanut butter one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So what are your picks? What do you like? All right. So here would probably be my ultimate one uh, as of now. And that could change tomorrow. But uh, smashed avocado. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, mash it up, spread that on the burger like a, like a spread. Uh Bacon, Mm -hmm. blue cheese, Mm -hmm. grilled onions, Mm -hmm. and then I feel like a good roll or bun is kind of essential too. So we'll usually do like a brioche bun, pretzel bun I'm okay with. I think you're a little not so keen on the pretzel bun. It's too bready. I gotcha. I mean, I like it. It's beautiful. It tastes great. I mean, if I can like hollow out the top bun, then we're good. (laughs) But yeah, it's, it just feels. What do you do with that uh, bread that you hollow out? Give it to the dog. Yeah, she'll <laughs> gladly take it. Of course she will. Um, my picks are extra sharp cheddar, bacon, caramelized onion, and a little bit of Dijon. And sometimes I would like an egg, but it just does. It really does get into too messy territory. Would you have for the cheese? Uh, extra sharp cheddar. Okay. The sharper, the better. I almost went with that, but I, I kind of dig the blue cheese. So that was, I, I that, was that was my ultimate burger. All right. Good talk. Yes. That was, that, was, <laughs> that was a good one. We could probably do this for all the popular, you know, we did the pizza one already. We could do hot dogs. We could do sandwiches. Like everyone's got their, their ultimate thing <laughs> when it comes to this. <laughs> Searching for the words. Yes, and then I and then I, after all that time, my response is thing. So, there you go. <laughs> nice job. You're very eloquent. All right. Well, let's let's talk Japanese food. Made easy. Let's do it. All right. So uh, this one we were excited to dive into because you know aside from the standard like ramen and sushi, our experience with Japanese food is a little bit limited as far as like going beyond those boundaries. It's not yeah, I don't, I don't think we, I think we have like one Japanese book in yeah. our pantry. So this was, this was, you know, a welcome book to, you know, dive a little deeper into the cuisine. Um, you want to talk about what we made first and then we'll circle back and kind of talk details. Sure thing. All right, go for it. Uh, we did yakitori, which uh, grilled chicken skewers. 
uh, green beans with sesame dressing, miso soup with pork, and Olive over here. She's <laughs> just breathing into the microphone. Olive wants to say hi. Yep. Uh, miso soup with pork and winter root vegetables, Japanese style curry, um, kishu katsu, which are crispy pork skewers. And then we made a nashi pear sake and shizo frozen cocktail. All right. Let's talk these yakitori skewers. Or as our uh, friend's son likes to say, turkeyaki. <laughs> I think maybe he grew out of that by now. Probably. Yeah. Uh, pretty simple chicken skewers. You know, no stranger to our kitchen. Um, they were tasty. Uh, we used thighs per usual instead mm-hmm. of like chicken breast because that's... Not as flavorful. Well, and they tend to get, they dry out really easily. Yeah. And it just had some scallions and a lovely sauce. Um, and we made that with green. This was like the s- most simple meal we had. We made it with the um, green beans. Did I, ma- I didn't mention that we made the green beans with sesame dressing. Uh, it was tasty. Super um, simple. Yeah, it was just. Uh, we did blanch little- them a little bit mm-hmm. just so they retain their color for the gram. Mm-hmm. We added an extra step. Yeah. So we made it a little bit harder for ourselves, but still, still super simple. Yes. Um, the miso soup. Let's talk that it had pork and winter vegetables. This was like a great cold weather dish. And we made, we worked through this book in January of this year. So it was perfect weather for this dish in particular. And the winter vegetables were there. Was, there was some daikon in there, some carrots, Jerusalem artichokes, which I'm a huge fan of because it brings like this nutty, earthy flavor. And um, not something I associate with Japanese cooking much. So that was kind of surprising and really, really cool. Um, something that I did learn from this book are there are six different um, kinds of miso. Yes. Um, w- you know, we are mostly familiar with uh, red miso and white miso. Yep. Um, there's but a whole miso section in the book, like a little guide. There is. and um, You found the page? Yes. Uh, well, there's, uh, there's the red miso, the white miso, sweet white rice miso. Say that a bunch of times uh-huh. fast. Um, there's a barley miso, a hacho miso, which is made from soybeans. And then there was a brown rice miso. Um, and a lot of them are, have separate kind of applications so is it the ingredients that dictate the color? Do you know? So the color comes from um, the different ingredients and the fermenting process. Uh, the longer it ferments, the more robust it will be. Okay, um, makes sense. Yeah, and also th- it's made with uh, this mold called koji, uh-huh. um, which is also used in uh, soy sauce and stuff. But it's okay. kind of an essential part of miso. Look at me, I sound like I kind of know what I'm talking about, but I'm actually reading more so than me. Yeah. (laughs) No, that's interesting. I'm going to, I'm going to do some further research on it because it sounds, it sounds cool. Uh, Japanese curry. Let's talk about that for a second. Okay. Let's, uh, this had a surprising ingredient to me, at least, uh, grated apple. Yeah, it was, it had tomato and grated apple. Um, and then there was a, there's some uh, tartness with a uh, with 
pickles and pickled onions, like the little cocktail mm-hmm. onions. Which we still have a jar of in our fridge. Mm-hmm. And you serve it over rice and some really jammy, lovely uh, soft-boiled eggs. Our, our uh, soft-boiling game is pretty on point. Yep. It was, it was good to flex those skills. But I loved it because it was, it was really... It was very nicely balanced from the little bit of sweet and the tartness. Um, so definitely. Great, I one. mean, it it was similar like ingredients and flavors to like our beloved uh, ramen and just in how you present it with all the different garnishes and stuff. Um, but rather than be like a noodle based dish, it was dish. It was served over a bed of rice. So. Would you agree? No, I don't oh. feel like it was anything like ramen. <laughs> no. We had two different dishes. Apparently. <laughs> Were you drunk? Uh, not at all. <laughs> we hadn't we hadn't drank that cocktail yet. <laughs> right. Um, and the next thing the kushukatsu, which is the crispy pork skewers, was the fa- was my favorite thing that we made. Mine too. Um, it was a bit of work. It was. It was visually stunning. Yes. Um, it gave me the vapors. Yes. <laughs> we had our uh, emergency frozen pizza on standby mm-hmm. and we didn't need it. No. What it is is you take um, uh, strips of pork shoulder and onion and some okra and you thread it onto two um, parallel skewers. Two parallel skewers. And then you dredge it in flour and then egg and then uh, panko. And you fry it. And I was getting the vapors because I was like, the outside is going to get way more done than the inside. And I was worried about just everything cooking correctly. Correct. Yeah. Because a lot in amount of time. Yeah. We've talked about this before. I'm always a little dubious about skewer recipes in a book where you put both like a protein, like a meat and vegetables on because I never feel like they're going to finish cooking at the same time mm-hmm. so something's going to either be over or under and to our surprise this actually worked out it was great i wish we would have had bigger pieces of okra yes um, and what you do is you cut you cut uh down the middle so you between the two skewers and so you get this lovely cross section yeah so it's like a big reveal at the end once they're cooked um and they were so tasty oh, juicy yeah. yummy mm. Mm. Yeah, this was my favorite as well. And it and it was worth, you know, grabbing the book just to to make that. So and it just had like a simple sauce. Yep. Uh I think it was lemon juice, carrot, Worcestershire. Worcestershire. <laughs> that. Uh Dijon, brown sugar, and then some toasted sesame seeds. So yeah, that was a good one. Uh and then lastly, uh, we had a cocktail, which we try and do um, when there's some in the book. And this one had pear, sake, and uh, shiso, which we weren't able to find. So mint leaves provided a nice substitute for them. Yes. Uh, yeah, so we we did the mint leaves instead of the shiso leaves, which were nowhere to be found. Um, and then we did uh, we did two versions of this, correct? Yes. Okay. Uh, we did we did one that was just like straightforward, you know, according to the recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, and by the way, it's a really lovely, delicate. The Asian pear is just so delicate. And, and I love when you bite into one because it's light and it's watery. Yep. 
Mm-mm-mm. Now, um, this did have a little sugar in it, so it leans a little sweet. Well, it had a, a simple syrup. It was, yeah. a, it was a simple syrup made out of castor sugar. Um, a lot, and, and here's the thing. When we make cocktails at home, uh, not according to any recipe, I will usually just make a simple syrup with uh, stevia and water just to kind of keep the sugar content down, the calories down. Hangover down. Hangover down. Did you know that I do that? Or did you um, think I made simple syrup the regular way? I was assuming that you harvested your own cane sugar. So okay. I'm, I'm really disappointed in you now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it I did, love this. It did lean a little bit into sweet territory. But then we also, uh, we had a bottle of Pisco hanging around and we were like, let's see what happens. So we threw a little Pisco in there and it was lovely as well. Because we had just finished the uh, Chilean home cooking mm-hmm. book um i think it was my chilean kitchen yes um and so we had some of this pisco and uh it was a it was a delightful addition to the cocktail agree all right um anything else on what we made uh i don't think so i i was pretty pleased yeah with everything great book um and one that we're actually adding to our permanent collection mm-hmm. um so let's uh before we dive into our own rankings most critical Amazon review. And, you know, thankfully, there weren't any. There were no one or two stars. And this third one, not really a harsh critique, I would say, but it was the most critical one that I found. So uh, it comes from uh, the initials SN. They gave it three out of five stars on Amazon. They said, rather limited recipes, nicely designed and illustrated, but disappointed by the content. After seeing it in Telegraph, which is a UK publication, I felt a little bit let down by the actual book. Too few recipes and short on detail. And I have to say, I disagree with that. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, it's a kind of a standard amount of recipes. Yeah. And I didn't think they were like lacking or limited in any way. No. If anything, it really expanded our idea of what Japanese food is and, and can be. So... Well, and I loved, uh, there's a section in this book that kind of breaks down um, like the popular food of a certain area or like I should say where the popular food was originated. We'll get to that in a second because it's in my notes. Uh, You want to talk about our rankings? Yes. Let's start with the food photography and styling category. I gave it a five. Yes. Uh, the whole book had a very light, airy feeling about it. Um, the colors were light, neutrals, like grays, blues, tans, eggshells. Um, well, the author is a professionally trained food stylist and recipe developer. And it shows. So it, yes. So that is definitely where her strengths lie. And uh, I gave it a five as well. And I'm, I'm just sitting over here smiling because you had like the same type of description that I did. I said the photos have like a softness and a lightness about them. Uh, Very simply styled, but the props that they Mm -hmm. chose were really interesting. I agree. Like these, you know, ceramic uh, tableware and then like these nice linens. Really great ceramics. And, Mm -hmm. and I, and I love that they, they did use like a lot of linens to add texture and stuff. And here's the thing. This is, I love this aesthetic and it is not mine and I'm, you know, it's not what I do, but I'm so jealous of it. Yeah. 
Well, it definitely has kind of like a, for lack of a better description, like an Instagram kind of style Mm -hmm. to it. Like all these photos just read like, you know, a beautiful photo that you would see on social media. Yes. Um, So, yeah, no complaints with that. Um, And then uh, let's see. Design and layout is the next category. Did I mention I gave that one a five as well? Yes, you did. Yes. Okay. Uh, what'd you have for design and layout? Uh, I gave it a 4.5. <laughs> you and your point five. I know. Um, one thing that I really liked is that the recipes, uh, they're divided, uh, when they're doing the ingredients list, there's a pantry section and a fresh ingredients section. Yes. Um, and also there's a prep time, a cook time, um, and, uh, so it was very all, it was very clear you know, can I make this dish? Will I have enough time? Um, and also, there were great how-to illustrations, like yes. how to make dashi, how to make uh, perfect steamed rice. Mm-hmm. And the illustrations were great and really adorable. Yeah, and I and I had the same thing. That there were some step-by-step illustrations on some different techniques, uh, sushi rolling and stuff like that that people might not be familiar with. Um, also each chapter, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's a small little illustration unique to the chapter in the bottom left-hand corner of the page. And it just kind of corresponds to whatever the chapter title is. Yes. And so that was kind of a, a nice little flourish. Um, the recipes have both the Japanese name and the English translation. Um, other useful information is it tells you how many that they serve. And then, like you said, both the preparation and cooking time, uh, the fresh and pantry ingredients. Um, nice, easy to read format. Like most of the recipes were just a single page. And then alluding to what you were talking about earlier, there was a food map of Japan that broke down about a dozen different areas in the country and, you know, geographically where they're located and then also like what foods are kind of native to those areas, Mm -hmm. which I thought was a real fun tutorial for anyone like us who's not familiar. And then we talked about that miso guide, which I, so not a lot of additional content, but the stuff that's there is really fascinating. Really useful too. Um, Okay. So what did you give it for degree of difficulty? I gave it a two. Okay. Um, Simple dishes, I think more than anything, some of these things might just require some practice to perfect, Mm -hmm. such as like the rolling the sushi and stuff, which is something that I've always struggled with. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's why I just order takeout instead (laughs) for sushi. (laughs) (laughs) Got to know my limits. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, as the title implies, you know, they really strive to make this easy and accessible to everyone. And I think they succeeded. Yeah. Because it was pretty simple. So I gave it a two as well. Um, I was paging through looking at all the recipes and for the most part, the cook time, the cook times and the prep times were um, minimal. Uh, There was something that marinated overnight, uh, this uh, salmon dish. And then there was also a tea braised pork, I think, which just had a couple hour cooking time. I think the most difficult thing we made was the pork skewers. Right. and I was going to say that the fact that we were able to su- successfully execute them really speaks to the the success of the book with, you know, it clearly explaining it so it made sense mm-hmm. and in a way that wasn't intimidating. So we felt comfortable attempting it. Yes. So good job. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, 
taste. I gave it a five. Yep. I loved, uh, yeah, I really loved everything that we made. Me too. And well, and just the fact that uh, we were able to explore beyond the usual Japanese cuisines and the fact that we're holding on to this. It's going in our permanent mm-hmm. collection because we don't really have a lot of Japanese cookbooks and this seemed like a, a good one and one that we'll probably turn to in the future for something. So there you go. Fantastic book. All right. I was so pleased. Likewise. All right. So if you enjoyed this show, please rank and review it. Um, you can follow us on social media at our Instagram is at we underscore cook underscore books and at we cook books on Facebook. Don't forget to send us bags of money. <laughs> All right. You know what time it is. Hit me. Joke time. All right. All right. So, you know, there's a lot of uh, talk lately about like genetically modified food. I think sometimes it gets a little overblown because like the other day I had a lovely leg of salmon and it was perfect. (laughs) I don't see what the big deal is. All right, people. Thanks for listening. Be safe. Have a great week. Wear a mask.